and the team. Welcome. Over to you. Well, Pastor Jody and Pastor Dan and the interns, we want to give a really warm welcome to this morning. Get organized up here. Is this the microphone I can take out and use? Thank you so much. And we'll just move that to the side. Rearrange the furniture this morning. It is great to be at Inspire today. I don't get here often enough. And our intern program, which has been running for a couple of years now, has moved from Thursday to Wednesday. So guess what? That just worked out perfectly for them to come and meet you all this morning and for you guys to meet them and get to hear a little bit of these amazing young people that um, have dedicated, set aside a year to come and be a part of what is happening here at Bridgie. They already are a part of what's happening here at Bridgie, actually, but they've actually set aside a day a week to come and study God's Word together, hear from God, learn about what He's doing in the church and um, His call on their lives. And then some of them are also studying at Bible College as well. Is that right? So I thought I'd hand over to Dan to introduce each of them to you. Maybe you guys can just share something that you're anticipating for the year ahead or to learn out of this year. And then we're super privileged to have Jordan and Jared share their testimonies with us this morning. Are we excited about this, church? Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Awesome. I just thought I might mention as well as an elective by the end of the year, hopefully uh, we will have created in us uh, as a team, people in whom Robin can trust. So uh, that'd be good <laughs> if we can end up there. No, but the, like it, it, it is an incredible um, sacrifice that these guys have given over to give up of their time um, to intentionally seek God, to know Him more, to know His will for their lives. And um, it's a great journey to do that together with them. Really, we just feel like we're disciples uh, following Jesus with everything we have. So that's really the journey that they're on. So I might um, hand this over to Lockie, and then you can give us a bit of a, a feel for where you think you're headed. Perfect. Um, so my name's Lockie. Um, I just felt a call on my life to um, just be very, uh, like, purposeful in spending time like you know with young people my age to just really seek him um, seek the Lord and I just reading through his word it's so clear to me that there's so much more to God that he wants to reveal to me and I just want to be able to learn from him so that I can then share that love to other people around me so yeah hi my name's Georgia um, this year I'm excited to yeah basically step into God's calling um, and just set, a time, set aside time um, just to be so present with him. Um, and I'm really keen to um, just grow so much more in love with God and um, seek him in everything I do before I start my life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's me. I'm Sarah Jane, um, and I'm actually hoping to become a doctor one day. So I thought... Um, what better way um, before I begin all of that study than to just commit it all to God and to align my heart with his. So I just feel very blessed to, um, you know, be underneath a, a really wonderful team at Bridgie this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm Robert, and I just really wanted to get to know God a bit more and also encourage other people to do that as well. I'm Chelsea. Um, I'm really excited to be obedient to God and um, I think he wants me here so I can have a community of people who feel the same. I'm Jordan. Um, God willing, hopefully second half of this year, I'll be um, a lawyer. And so again, just setting um, some time aside um, before I sort of start my pre professional career. Um, to make sure that I have a good foundation and I'm anticipating um, spiritual growth and um, just learning different elements of God's character. So I'm Eloise or Ellie and I'm really hoping just to grow in my faith and just send some really deep roots down um, yeah, before I go into university and before I then step out into this world of adulthood. So. I'm Jacob, um, not Jared, Jody, that's my brother. <laughs> But uh, I'm looking forward to um, knowing Jesus more um, and I guess all the joy and peace uh, that comes with that. So 
Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, hey, I'm Sam, and I think this year I just want to, um, yeah, take some time uh, as things are getting busier with work and uni, just to have one day where I can kind of just be with God and uh, sort of learn how he, he speaks to me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So happy for me to... Um, we, we've actually got a couple of testimonies, um, in, in fact, uh, Jacob and Jordan. So maybe if you want to come um, forward, forward, Jacob, first, and then um, just share a bit of your testimony, and then we'll hear from um, Jordan as well. Why don't we welcome and encourage <laughs> Jacob? Okay, good. <laughs> So we're going to do ladies first, but no, it's all right. Um, so yeah, my name's Jacob. Um, thanks for letting us come in this morning and uh, chat and I guess just talk about what the internship's about. Um, so my story kind of begins probably when I was four years old. Um, one of my earliest memories was um, telling my parents I was a Christian. Uh, somehow I just, yeah, I thought that was a good thing. Um, I forget what prompted it, but uh, I remember it being something they were really happy about. So I just accepted that and moved on. Um, the rest of my childhood and teenage years were pretty average. I went to Buzz and Switch um, at Bridgie, and uh, I never directly rebelled against my parents in any obvious way. Um, but looking back now, uh, my faith was entirely surface level. Um, I acted like a Christian when I needed to and read my Bible to call the uh, growing guilt. Um, and the fact was I'd conform to what was around me to fit in. I'd follow God when it was convenient for me. Um, at school, I'd swear, and at work, I'd steal McNuggets um, when I was hungry. When I reached senior school, uh, I developed some pretty strong relationships with other, other Christians. I did what they did and uh, started going to connect group here and switch uh, pretty regularly. And uh, by the end of high school, I was in a pretty rough spot. Um, and I was sincerely searching for God uh, for the first time. And uh, that led my decision to get baptized at the end of the year. However, my search for God was pretty short-lived after I turned 18 and moved out of home. Um, the distractions were endless uh, in the city. And uh, I could do whatever I wanted now. So as most teenage males do, I uh, played video games and uh, went to parties and tried to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Uh, my Bible and prayer life quickly fell to the wayside. I never outright rejected my faith, uh, but instead became entirely apathetic. It was hard to be, to be an upstanding Christian, so I just ignored it entirely. This worked for a time, and I was figuring out how to do life on my terms. I was always getting a better job, traveling to nice places, and by every measure of the world, I was living a good life. And uh, that moment changed when um, my dad, uh, Ross Filmer, suddenly had a stroke and uh, was diagnosed with a rare blood disease. Um, cr creates misformed proteins around his heart and um, practically encases it so it can't really uh, work like it should. And uh, his life expectancy came to six months to five years. Uh, this happened just before I left for a solo trip to Europe, um, and over that trip, I experienced crippling anxiety, uh, panic attacks, and insomnia, often waking up too sick to eat. And um, uh, one morning after no sleep, I just went to wash my face and just had this thought that if I continued living in that state, that I wouldn't be able to live for long. Um, at some point, I'd just give up. And uh, at that moment, I um, prayed for the first time in a very long time, probably four years, um, just saying, God, uh, please help me. And uh, at that point, I put my faith uh, back in the Father. So after I arrived back in Australia, um, I just generally felt like I was dying um, and experienced even worse insomnia for a few months. And... Uh, Throughout this time, I really believe that God was committed to me um, from that first choice I made as a child through um, consecutive choices throughout my life and 
when I prayed um, for the first time that he was committed um, to my life and led me to the right people to talk to as I was grappling with the reality of death uh, for the first time in my life. Um, but many fa- times I felt like I was going insane. It felt like there was just too much unknown. I didn't have the answers and it was breaking me. All the answers I thought I had when things were going well no longer did anything for me. Uh, no matter eating right or exercising was helping. Everything I used to do, I was just too tired to do anymore. Throughout this time, I began reading the Gospels and talking with my old Connect Group leader and uh, began to find answers uh, to life in Jesus. This happened over a four-month period until early one morning when the sun was, ri- when the sun was rising, I finished reading and was filled with a deep sense of reality of God in my life. Um, it, it was no intellectual uh, thought process or kind of idea that made that choice for me. It was just a deep sense in my heart that, um, yeah, just came up. And uh, I made the decision then, I think it was April uh, last year, to recommit my life to him. And uh, since then, God's been my rock. Um, I can continually rely on him, and he shows me fullness of life uh, that he wants me to experience. Uh, And I've truly begun to experience a peace and joy that I've never had um, before in my life. And um, yeah, so I know there's going to be even more difficult times. Um, My dad is still um, experiencing quite a few health issues and has had a cardiac arrest since then. But yeah, God's just... um, been absolute rock, and I've been able to trust Jesus um, just to bring me through those storms uh, now. And um, this morning, as the interns had um, our devotions, I was walking through the cemetery. It was very, uh, yeah, inspiring. And um, James 1:12 was a verse that I came on and um, said, "Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life." which God has promised to those who love him. And um, that's just, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to this year with the interns um, is we're going to, yeah, we've carved out huge amounts of times in our day um, throughout our week just to press into God and uh, be faithful to him, learn how to love him. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, thanks. It is, it is an incredible truth that God longs to meet us where we're at. Uh, there's no uh, right time other than right now um, to call out to Him and to ask that He be present with us. He's longing, He's there, waiting, ready to be with us wherever we're at, whatever we're going through. And it's an incredible truth there to see in your life, Jacob, incredible. Um, Jordan, why don't we welcome Jordan to come and share her testimony. So good morning. Um, As Pastor Dan just mentioned, um, my name is Jordan. Uh, To give you a little bit of background, I'm 23 and I've just completed a bachelor's in law and business at QUT. Um, I have been incredibly blessed to grow up in a Christian family and this isn't something that I ever want to take for granted as both of my parents didn't grow up in Christian families. My entire mum side of the family, plus my dad, have personal relationships with Jesus because one of my auntie's friends invited her to church back when she was in university. And so this invitation, coupled with a lot of prayer, is essentially why I'm here with you guys today. Um, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour when I was in grade three. And to this day, remember so vividly as a child being so confused why everyone didn't want Jesus in their lives. I grew up attending church every Sunday, was reading the Bible and praying with my family during the week, and went to a Lutheran primary and secondary school, so was always immersed in the knowledge of Christianity and who Jesus was. God provided an incredible Christian community for me throughout primary and high school. I had spiritual mentors at church who prayed and journeyed with me, Christian friends at high school, and have always had parents who demonstrate Jesus' sacrificial love for me daily. I've always been a bit of a perfectionist though, and throughout high school especially, I worked incredibly hard during school terms and on my holidays to maintain straight A's. I had decided in grade eight that I wanted to be a lawyer when I learned about human trafficking at a school school chapel. 
And the more brokenness I learned about, the more it was obvious to me that the life God had given me was such a precious gift. Throughout late high school in particular, this blessing, however, warped into an incredibly heavy burden. I fell into the trap of school becoming all-consuming, not being able to justify sleep, a social life, or even attending church because everything other than study felt like time God had given me that I was wasting. I felt incredibly burdened to put all of my effort and energy into maximizing the education that I had been provided to work towards eventually becoming a lawyer who would make an impact and difference in the future. Not surprisingly, the weight of this burden became too much for me to carry in first term of grade 12 when I answered one question in my maths B exam incorrectly and I had my first full-on mental breakdown. So this pretty much set the tone of my grade 12 experience, but because I had seen uh, the look of absolute terror in my parents' eyes when I had my first breakdown, I hid the daily pain, stress, and anxiousness I felt because of this unhealthy expectation of perfection I had placed on myself. I was crying as silently as I could for hours every day behind closed doors where God was the only one who truly knew the depths of my struggle. By the time I finished grade 12, I had an incredibly legalistic relationship with God. I had refrained from partying, drinking underage, and wasting time in general. And in return, I expected God to give me the best exit score that I wanted, which was, sorry, I expected him to give me the exit score that I wanted, which um, was, of course, the best exit score. And spoiler alert, this didn't happen. And in actual fact, my high school did miraculously terrible as a cohort to the point where our school appealed uh, the cohort's results to the Queensland School Board. I have never felt absolute devastation and all-consuming pain as I did that night. I received my lower-than-expected score. God was the only one who truly knew how much I had struggled to get through grade 12, and it was completely unfathomable to me um, how he could let me suffer and not reward my efforts with the exit score that I wanted. Out of a place of absolute rage, I yelled to God, if this is what I get with you, watch what I get without you. And that was the last time I spoke to God for just over a year. Throughout first year uni, I still identified as Christian, but shamefully, this was because I wanted to appear moral to my law school friends, not because I had any interest in knowing God personally. Behind closed doors, I was critical of Christianity and organized religion in general, determined to prove to myself and everyone else what I was capable of. I threw myself into university and actually finished first year with almost perfect grades. While this was exactly what I had been working towards, when I got my overall first year GPA score, I was shocked when it didn't bring the joy and satisfaction that I thought it would. Instead of feeling on top of the world, I felt relief that my second semester results had matched my first semesters and panic that I would have to do it again. It was then that I realized just how shaky my identity was when I placed it in my own achievements. So this existential crisis and spiraling realization of uncertainty lined up perfectly with a friend from my old church getting baptized here at Bridgie. And as I had hidden from the world that I had no personal relationship with Jesus, I attended her baptism just to keep up appearances. Something felt different, though, when I attended Bridgie, as opposed to the previous church I had attended through high school. It didn't feel like a waste of time. The sermon actually seemed relevant to my life. And despite not having a relationship with God for a year, I felt like I connected with him through the worship music that night. A couple of months later, I rededicated my life to Christ, knowing in a deeper way that I was a sinner in need of saving, that I wasn't capable of perfection and needed his grace, and I knew a little bit about what the world had to offer, and that because of brokenness and imperfection, it was never, ever going to fulfill me. It wasn't until I met Jesus here that I realized that joy wasn't a connotation for happiness, but what God has to offer is far greater than anything I could ever imagine. Once I rededicated my life to Christ, I also realized that God had been pursuing me even when I didn't want anything to do with him. 
Despite being in incredibly secular degrees, more than half of my friends that I had made were Christian, and I had no idea that this was the case until I started to recognise Jesus in them as a fellow believer. After asking God the really difficult question of why he let me suffer in grade 12, he also revealed to me that him orchestrating my cohort's disastrous and completely unexpected results was the most merciful thing he could have done. At such a young age, he saved me from ever having the misconception that my work could fulfill and sustain me. And while it was my sin that got me to the point where I idolized my grades, he was capable of and did redeem my sin to draw him to himself, to draw me to himself and give me the joy, peace and freedom that he wants me to experience before I spend eternity in perfection. A passage that has um, resonated deeply with me and given me so much freedom as a recovering perfectionist is Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 to 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So fast forward five years, and God put it on my heart to commit to the internship this year. As I mentioned before, hopefully in the second half of this year, I'll fulfill the remaining requirements um, to become a lawyer and start my professional career. And for me, participating in the internship is demonstrating to myself, God, and everyone around me that my relationship with Jesus will always take precedent over my professional life. I want to begin my career making the sacrifices God calls me to make, um, which has started with me foregoing the opportunity to work full-time at the law firm I'm at. And I also want to make sure that my spiritual growth continues as I start into this new season and that I'm really firmly grounded so that when things undoubtedly get difficult when I'm a lawyer, I have a solid foundation to rely on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jordan. That's beautiful. Can I just grab one of those cards? Awesome. Are we blessed to hear those stories today? So incredibly blessed. God is at work. Doesn't it just bring joy to your heart to see young people who want to follow him? Can we just give them another clap, church? I would love you to stand with us as we pray for these guys heading into their year. And I also wanted to let you know that they have some cards um, on them today. Bridgie Interns 2021. Their names are listed on this card and we would love you to take one of these away with you today. Put it on the fridge or put it on your bathroom mirror and pray for these guys during the year. When God calls them to your mind, pray for them. Maybe there's a name on here that God is calling you to particularly lift up to him in prayer this year and we would love you to do that. But we are going to pray um, over them now. Jesus, we thank you for your beautiful work in every life. Lord, we've heard two incredible stories, and yet you replicate those stories in different ways, in different details in each one of us. Lord, you are drawing us to yourself. You are revealing your son Jesus to us. Lord, your heart is for us to know you as Saviour and Lord. We thank you that that is who you are this morning. And God, we pray for your blessing over these young people, God. We pray that just as their hearts setting out on this year are to develop this firm foundation for the rest of their life, God, we pray that you'd honour these hearts, that you'd reveal yourself to them in ways they couldn't even believe or imagine as possible, God. And that this year, these moments, Lord, would set their lives on a path that is straight because you are making their way straight in you, Jesus, as they fix their eyes on you. And so we pray for your blessing over them. Pray for Pastor Dan leading them in this season, God. We pray for opportunities as a church to love and encourage these ones. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Give them another hand. Thank you so much, guys, for being here today. Maybe they will just do some more guest appearances at Inspire over the coming weeks. I'm sure we'd all love that, wouldn't we? Well, Travis said that I had to keep my sermon to about three hours this morning. 
And I thought, oh, that's a bit limiting. Um, are you worried and nervous? No, no, great. <laughs> we are blessed as a church to see God raise up another generation of people to love and serve Him, are we not? We are so blessed. And as we hear these stories of faith, it stirs faith in us, doesn't it? That God is moving, that He's on the move, that He's working, that what we've seen Him do before, He is yet to do again. Um, and it is so stirring for our faith. You could say that some of these things happen by coincidence or fluke, maybe. But if we truly believe our Father in heaven is the one who reigns and rules over all things, that he is in absolute control of every detail, that he cares intimately about us and every care of our life, then we couldn't for a moment think that we are at the whim of the universe, could we? That we are at the, at the whim of the gods, we are actually living in the gracious, providential care of an incredible, amazing God. Are we not this morning? That is who he is. And as I, as I was thinking about today and sharing with you and thinking about these incredible young people, God laid these words on my heart for such a time as this. Where do those words come from? The book of Esther. Fantastic. For such a time as this, God has laid it on the hearts of these young people to set aside time in their year to be intentional about their relationship with Him. Imagine for a moment what God could do with this group of 10 young people. Jesus chose a similar group about 2,000 years ago although they were probably a little more motley than you guys were. And with a group like that, filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus changed the whole world. The impact of that group reaches us today, 2,000 years later. Imagine what could happen through these guys in the next 2,000 years. Isn't that incredible? Dan, no pressure, brother, but just think about that for a little while. Just pause there. Imagine for such a time as this, he's chosen these young people. Familiar words. These words come at a time in biblical history where God's people were being threatened by an enemy. A deep contempt for God's people in the society resulted in a conspiracy to totally annihilate them. That was the intention, that was the plan. Many of you are familiar with the story of Esther. And Esther in the story may have looked like the person of power and privilege in this story, but she actually came from very meager beginnings. She was an orphan, she was raised by a relative. She was taken from her home, possibly by force, to join a harem of women who were at the mercy of a most irrational king. She was also Jewish, and I am guessing out of fear and shame, she was told to keep this a secret from the palace that she was taken to. And it's in the middle of these circumstances, out of all the women in the Persian Empire at the time, the Bible tells us it extended 127 provinces from Ethiopia to India. Those who are good at geography, think about that. Esther was the one chosen to be the new queen. How incredible. Could you believe that was a coincidence? Or do you see the purposes and plan of God unfolding here? If, there was a fairy, if this was a fairy tale story that we might be reading to our grandchildren, it would end right there in chapter two. Esther became queen and they lived happily ever after. But that is not how the story unfolds in God's word. The enemies of God's people were influential in this kingdom and in Esther chapter three, verse 13, we read these words. 
Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7 the following year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. That is God's word, the decree that was issued. Law, not too dissimilar to the laws in countries of those persecuted for their faith that Robin just shared about this morning. This decree sent God's people into fear and despair. And when Esther became aware of what was going on, no doubt she felt devastated, but also powerless within the systems and structures around her to do anything about this situation. You could see she, she could request an audience with the king, but everyone knew that anyone who appears to the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And Esther was thinking this would be a very unlikely thing to happen to her because in the last 30 days she hadn't even heard from the king. So what could she possibly do in this situation? In chapter four, verse 13 of Esther, Mordecai sent these words, her cousin sent these words to her. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the place, in the palace, sorry, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Esther called her people to fast and pray and she boldly entered the king's court not knowing if she would end up dead from that action alone, like the previous queen had ended up, or whether she'd be actually shown mercy and given an audience with the king. You will have to read Esther to find out the details here. But the courage of Esther and the hand of God in her life resulted in her people being saved. And I just want to highlight a few things from this story for us to reflect on today. In the providence of God, Esther was chosen for that role. It seemed like she would be an unlikely character to be chosen to be the queen. But she was the one God chose. And I really felt like God wanted you to hear today that you also are chosen by him. You are chosen. You might feel unworthy and unlikely to be chosen by God this morning, but he chose you. He chose me to know him as the king in his kingdom. He chose us to reveal himself to, to reveal this incredible gift of salvation in Jesus to us this morning so that we would know what it is to be chosen by him. Ephesians 1.11 says this, in him we were chosen in advance according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Chosen, he chose us for his glory this morning, church. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Hear that? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Say it with me. We're chosen and we're chosen for a purpose this morning. 
There is no expiry date on the plans of God for your life. Hear that this morning. There is no, if only I was this age and I could do life again in God's kingdom. He doesn't want us to think like that. He has plans and purposes that he has chosen for us yet to unfold here in his kingdom. Ephesians 2.10 assures us of this. We are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He has plans and purposes in his kingdom to unfold in you. And he's chosen you to do that. He's chosen you to be part of that. Just before that passage in 2.10, in Ephesians 2.10, he says this, he chose us. He chose to reveal his love in Jesus to us so he could point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. Can you believe that? In the future ages... The generations that are yet to unfold and hear about God in this place will look back to us as incredible examples of God's love and grace and kindness to them in the future. Isn't that incredible to wrap our head around? God has chosen you. He has chosen you for plans and purposes and he has chosen you for such a time as this. And even in this last season of prayer church, I just want to encourage you this morning. I'm hearing and filled with faith that God is working. God is on the move. We have just come out of a season where people would like to say the world is hopeless and helpless and stuck and broken and going nowhere. But that is not what God says this morning. We carry the light of Jesus. We carry his hope in this world. We carry his Holy Spirit life in us, chosen by him for such a time as this for his kingdom plans to unfold. Isn't that the truth this morning? That darkness would flee because we carry his light. I just wanted to share some stories that fill me with faith to believe that this is actually happening in this place. It's 10 young people who commit a year to following and serving Jesus. It's 20 people who have signed up to Alpha. We don't even know who most of them are. Out of the blue, they come because they're searching to find Jesus. It's opportunities that we have as a bridge care team on a Thursday to go out in our community. It was a story of a lady who rang up last week just desperate, in desperate need of help. She felt all alone and overwhelmed in the circumstances that she was in. And we were able to send a team out there and she was in tears saying, why do you do this? And it doesn't feel like much when we go and mow a yard and trim some hedges. But we have this incredible sense that we carry the light of Jesus into dark places as we do that church. And it makes a difference in the spiritual realm, it does. It's Easter hampers. I don't even know if we've announced this properly yet. But the Christmas hampers and the hampers that we were able to give out in COVID, I think six or 7,000 we were up to in the end of last year, we have been asked by community organisations whether we could help people again. What do we say to that? Yes, absolutely. We want to be able to do that. We want to be able to share God's hope and life with our community. And so, I think it's the 22nd or 23rd of March, we are planning to put another thousand hampers together to see Jesus' light bring hope to our community still in incredible, desperate need of him. There's a lady who I met recently, who's just started coming to this church, who has somehow gotten involved in prison ministry. We were praying for a chaplain who's been going into a youth detention center um, and particularly praying for a young guy who actually moved from the youth detention center to the adult prison. Well, he was released um, just recently and on his first weekend of being released, he went to church 
And his first time in church, hearing the gospel, he put his hand up and said yes to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? That is God's kingdom on the move. This lady was telling me that they're going into this prison and the prison guards asked this little group of Christians whether they could pray for a girl who is so disturbed. She says that she sees spirits and things in her room. Would you be able to come and pray with her? These are non-Christian people asking Christians to do this. And they did that. And then the next week when they came back, they said, you know how you prayed for that girl? Well, a whole lot of other girls saw you doing that and they want you to come back and pray for them as well. This is happening, church. Our op shop. Who would have thought what an incredible blessing and light our op shopping cafe would be to our community? I mean, we thought we'd be blessing you with an op shop. But we had this heart to connect people into community and, and the kingdom of light who may not yet be ready to step into a church. And in that space, people are encountering Jesus. We don't often always get the opportunity to specifically say that this is happening, but they're the ones asking the questions. What's different about this place? Just last week, Nikki, who works up there, shared that these ladies were there and they went, you know how this place is so good? Is your church like that as well? And she said, yes, absolutely. She goes, but church that we know is boring. And she goes, well, our church isn't boring. The kingdom of God is not boring, church. God is on the move. And this morning, he's reminding you that for such a time as this, he has placed you in your families, in your neighborhoods, in the places of interest, the places that you meet people to be his light in the darkness, for people to see him, a revelation of him, of Jesus in you, for the world to know. Don't we wanna be a part of that church? Don't we wanna be filled with faith this morning? I met with a young girl um, on Monday night, actually, who got baptized, I think it was the end of last year, last story, I promise, I won't go for three hours. Um, ended up being baptized last year because she was so impacted by what God did in her life during covid she said, I was stuck at home. I really had nothing um, but God, no one but God to spend time with during that season of isolation. And she said, I, so I decided that that's who I would spend time with. She turned off the TV, started listening to worship music and podcasts of sermons. And I, when I caught up with her this week, she just went, this might sound crazy to you, but God is speaking to me. And I listened in closer and went, that's not crazy at all. I think that's what he's doing and he, what he wants to do more and more of. And as she shared, she actually wrote this to me in a text. And I wanted to encourage you as we finish today with these words. She said, I am sure God is turning the tables, breaking down walls, birthing visions and moving in a big way. Maybe the key to it is trusting him, daring to dream big dreams, pray big prayers, church, and catch a revelation of who God is and have faith that he is more than able to do it. God is speaking. God is moving. And for such a time as this church, we have called to be a part of it. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your encouragement to us today that you speak to our heart, that you've placed on each one of us plans and purposes to see a kingdom grow, to see a kingdom come. That is our prayer this week, God, to see a kingdom come into this world. And Lord, you're doing it. And I pray that you'd fill us with faith this morning, that even when we see darkness around us, God, we would have eyes to see your light coming, to see you, Jesus, lifted high, to see you as victorious in all your splendor, to sing your praise and glory because you are God and you reign. And God, for the people on our hearts this morning, for the circumstances 
where we, we long to see your light break in and break through, God. We lift these up to you today. We ask that you would come. Use us, your chosen people, in this season, in this community, in this place, to see your kingdom come, we pray in your name. Amen. We're going to stand and worship this morning, church. And I thought it would be really cool for our interns to have the chance to pray for you this morning. So they're just going to kind of filter down the aisles. And if there's someone in your life this morning that you would love to see God break through to, then just ask one of the interns. Just give them their name. You don't have to say all the circumstances. They would just love to pray alongside of you. If there's a circumstance or a situation that you would long to see God break into and break through, the interns would love to pray over that with you as well. So don't feel like you have to share a whole lot of the story. They're just gonna be led by the Holy Spirit to pray. Um, And maybe you wanna pray for them in the process. I think that would be okay this morning as well. They're holding their cards to give out to you too. So don't forget to take one of those and continue to uphold our young people in prayer. Let's stand and sing and worship and praise our wonderful God this morning. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to Thee. Then sings my soul, God. I just got to tell you this before we go. Robbie and Dan, Robert and Dan, can you just come here for one little moment as we close? Now, I know we're a little bit over time, but your favourite coffee's brewing there, ready for you, plus your Jenny scones. But Rob, if you could come, right. Now, Granddad, are you still here? And Grandma? Come up, Grandma. Granddad? Now, I just want to explain a little. Next service, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit in Latin America. Now, this is our speaker for next service and his wife, long-term servants of the Lord to Latin America. They went from Brisbane. In fact, Rob and myself were in high school together years and years ago. But he had a, a heart for the Lord then, served for years in Brazil and Latin America with Bev. Bev is actually, for those who are long-term Christians, is a drink hall by background. And many of you will know of the, of the drink hall family. And there, these now are the grandsons. How about that? Rob and Dan. <laughs> Mum and Dad are down there too. Fernando and his lovely wife, Kathy. Oh, I just mentioned she's just had her PhD agreed to. She's past that. Doctor, wonderful. (laughs) But isn't this wonderful? When you went, you would have no idea that all down the track, apart from all the wonderful work the Lord's done through Latin America and far beyond, these guys, for such a time as this, 
It's a miracle. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is wonderful. Never lose heart if you love Jesus. Press on. And if you don't yet know Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. And fall at his feet. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. So we really look forward to two weeks' time. Bless you, brother. I just, I just wanted you. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> brother, just close in prayer. Then we'll all go to morning tea. Okay. Great to meet you guys. To see your desire to know him. Praise the Lord. Loving Heavenly Father, what can we say before your unfathomable love, grace, mercy towards us? We thank you, Lord, that you see down the generations. We are so short-sighted. But, Lord, as we walk with you, as we abide in Christ and make him the heart of our soul and life, then your purposes work out so amazingly, so beautifully, and bring us such joy, Lord, that we can't even express. We thank you, Lord, that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, a right relationship with you each day, then we know that all of the rest is in good hands. Father, bless us as we go our way today, as we fellowship around a cup of coffee. We pray that your name might be glorified in us and that we might be a blessing to each other in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.